0: you are locked on indians your daily cleveland indians podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hello everyone and welcome to locked on indians i'm your host jeff ellis formerly of 24 7 sports formerly of scout.com formerly of Indian Baseball Insider, and many other places on the web. want to take a quick second and say today's show is brought to you by BuiltBar. Remember to use the code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order at BiltBar.com. So let's talk about the games from this weekend. We'll just kind of move through the uh, the three-game series. If you remember last week, I looked ahead and said, the Indians should win the next four in a row. Well, they have. So we'll go through these games, time permitting. We'll then do a bit of a preview with time permitting or not at the end of this i'm going to have some time set aside to talk about the white sox the pitching matchups and how i kind of see at least monday's game playing out for the indians so on friday i ended up going to my first college baseball game of the year Saw youngstown state face off against the university of milwaukee wisconsin seven inning game because it was a doubleheader trying to get it in before the elements got bad uh, it was very nice, I'm not going to lie, to be back in a stadium just watching, taking notes. The pitcher for Youngstown State is a, a young kid, uh, Gavin Floyd. Nope, Gavin Floyd was the pitcher, Colin Floyd, Gavin Floyd pitched for the Phillies, who had a, a sterling game, an hour and a half. That was a, a quick one as it went through. So when I got back from that, I then, it was not much time before to sit down. I ended up doing a locker room and watching the Indians game on Friday evening, and it was a fun one to watch in the regard of, I mean, Cleveland got out early and held on to it. It was one of those games where you felt like they were in control. Fran Reyes, pair of home runs, one in the first, one in the sixth. In terms of your who reached base twice in this one, they had no walks. That's a very unusual thing for the Indians offensively to have no walks. So your, Jose Ramirez and Fran were the only ones who reached base more than once in this game. Pitching wise, uh, please act. Seven innings, zero earned runs, six strikeouts, three hits, zero walks. Impressive performance by him. Shaw did give up a long ball, I want to say, when I was watching it live. Yeah, home run to Ramos, and then Emmanuel Classe came out, and I was watching this one as it occurred. He didn't have a fastball, though they all came up cutter in the system at that uh, lower than ninety nine point nine. His slider was coming in about 92.9. He threw two of those in the inning. About 50, what, I'm sure they'll tell me exactly how many pitches he had. 14 pitches. 12 of those were 99.9 or higher. <laughs> it was quite the performance by him. Picking up his first save of the year. Uh, one inning, two strikeouts. Uh, it was dominant. There's no other way around that. And then I, Fran Mel Reyes, do we need to say more? If this was hockey, we are doing our three stars of the game. Uh, Class A would probably be the person I'd give the the third star to. And then Plesak versus Fran That's that's hard to figure out where you're going to go with that one. But, I mean, those were your three stars in this one. It was just a a strong performance by the Indians. Derek Holland ended up being the starter who I did not profile uh, before the weekend began because he was not who was originally projected to be the starter there. I... He he got lit up. It, it, the lineup is now for a lot of years. Everyone complained that the Indians had, you know, no right handed bats. They needed a right handed power bat. Well, now they are set up with so many right handed bats that this is a team that should beat up on lefties, and they did. And and in this case with Holland, they, uh, you know, it was mostly one guy, but still they got to him early. He only went two and one third innings. Michael Fulmer, uh, credit to him, was excellent for four innings of relief and that one on the Detroit side of things. So jumping ahead now to talk some Saturday. Baseball, we'll uh, start on this and then we'll jump into Sunday and then, as I stated, we'll dive back around uh, to look forward to this big series against the White Sox. Tarek Skubel has to be uh, happy to see the Indians gone. This was a rough one for him after they got to him uh, in the previous matchup scuba goes four innings, giving up six runs. Uh, bullpen gave up another five. Aaron Savali, seven and two thirds, three hits, one earned run, zero walks, six strikeouts. One earned run came, of course, on a home run ball, this time by Re- Robbie Grossman. And then Trevor Steffian would give up, uh, I believe, a two run homer in the ninth uh, to uh, Candelario. And that's all they would have. The Indians would get 11 runs on nine hits. They'd also have a pair of errors, Cesar Hernandez and, uh, Jimenez at shortstop, so you had your up-the-middle tandem there. But in this one, you got Luplo, who had five RBIs. Now, RBIs are innately a worthless statistic because it's all about who's getting on base in front of you. Got into a big debate about that this week. But still, when you see five of them, it it pulls your eye in. He had a home run in this one, as did Franmil Reyes getting his fourth, Uh, Jimenez getting his first, Cesar Hernandez getting his first, and Roberto Perez getting his second. Perez also had three walks. The Indians managed six in total, and he had three of them. In terms of your reaching base twice in this one, it's almost like who didn't reach base is the easier thing to go with. And who didn't reach base was the middle of the lineup. Your three, your four, your five, and your six hitter did not reach base twice. Neither did, I guess, your seventh header with Chang, but he still managed to have one walk. Or no, no, he reached base twice. What am I saying? Uh, Jose Ramirez had uh, one walk, and then other than that, he was 0 for 4. Eddie Rosario was 0 for 4. Fran Mill did have his home run, a one-run shot, and Eddie Rosario and Ben Gamble combined to be 0 for 4. Ben Gamble does not have a hit so far on the season. This was also one where... I mean, if you want to get into it, I've looked at the replay about the loop low double a few times. I mean, I think that could have easily been called a home run. This game could have been even further apart in score. He ends up with the double. Chang also had a double, and Cesar Hernandez also had a double in this one. So lots of extra bases, right? That's uh, what five. Oh, let me double check my map my counting. Five home runs, right? And three doubles and 11 runs. Rough one for the Tigers in this one. Savali's great. Oliver Perez is used for one out. He's effective there. For Trevor, Steve, Steffen. He got the strikeout, also got the home run. Gave up two runs. Not ideal for him, but it gets in a very uh, low pressure situation. It's one of those, just go out there and eat up the innings for us. We're up 11-1 at this point in time. Just don't give up 10 runs, and they're good. Indians advance. They win that one, and it was probably the most fun game to watch all weekend. So, of course, I only got to see part of it as I had to get some yard work done before the rain poured where I live, but uh, I made sure to go back and watch the highlights. Again, uh, the offensive explosion, five home runs. And before that game, I felt like they didn't have five home runs all year. I know they did. You don't have to correct me on that, but it felt like the offense had still been a little bit stagnant, even with being on a two-game winning streak. This extended to three, and a big offensive explosion, again, facing a lefty. That is what this lineup is set up to do and set up to succeed. BetOnline.ag, their official partner when it comes to lines, so let's look ahead. Let's look at the game tomorrow, or today, more than likely when you're listening, Monday's game. Cleveland Indians with Tristan McKenzie, Chicago White Sox with uh, Carlos Rondon. The Indians are getting a run and a half in this one. They have, or they're at plus one and a half. So they're, they're the ones. I see. This is where I'm not good with with gambling. They're plus one and a half. So they're the ones who are the favorites to win. I believe, right? The positive runs. I should just go look at a matchup where a team is. No, it's the other way around because the Pirates are getting a run and a half against the Padres, and the Pirates are terrible. So the Indians are actually not favored in this one. Uh, plus 121, over-under of 8.5 runs at a negative 110. We'll dive deeper into this in the third segment of the show today, but I got to tell you, I kind of like this one for the Indians. The, The getting a run and a half with Carlos Rondo not being very good and being a lefty, We'll dive into that, but remember when you go over to BetOnline.ag, our official partners for uh, lines and everything else, you want to use the promo code Locked On to get a fifty percent bonus on your first deposit. That's right, five zero fifty percent bonus. BetOnline.ag, our official partner. Check them out for yourself. Remember to use the promo code Locked On for that fifty percent bonus. Have you checked out Locked On today to yet? If I mean, I talk about every show. Go check it out. Locked On today with host Peter Bukowski. All the breaking news you need. Check it out for yourself. So let's. Talk about this Sunday game, uh, Logan Allen on the mound, and it was a gem by Allen. That's, I know, I realize now I did not give you the three stars from the uh, the game on Saturday. Uh, you know, maybe that'll become a thing that I will a try to do more and b just do. But if I'm thinking of the top of my head, you'd have to give it going back to that game, Savali, what uh, Luplo? I mean, he had, almost had two home runs. And then I kind of want to give it to Roberto Perez uh, just for the three walks and the home run. Let's dive into the Sunday game, which for me is today's game. For you guys, it's yesterday's game. In this one, uh, again, pitching. Five innings, two hits, one earned run, five strikeouts, three walks. For Allen, that's just 92 pitches. He could have gone a little bit longer. Shaw comes in, one inning, gets a strikeout. Whitgren comes in, gives up a run. He's had a few struggles in the year the going... They go to Karen chalk for the eighth and then class a with the second save. I talked about it last week on the show. When he brings the velocity, he brings it just, I have talked, you know, about using your best reliever in high leverage situations. And I agree with that. And I will always agree with that. But at the same time, there's also something about just the intimidation factor of what someone like Classe a brings. And I think that closer role is le- very likely his, and it's going to be hard to take it away from him because he has thrown more pitches over 101 miles an hour in the three innings, four innings he's pitched for the Indians than the entire Indians franchise have thrown in the last 20 years. The Indians haven't had anything like him, and putting him back there just makes a ton of sense. So offensively in this one, Fran Mill Reyes continues to be uh, someone who haunts the dreams of Tigers pitchers. He goes two for three, gets a double in this one. No, No home run for him but uh, a walk, reaches base three times. Eddie Rosario goes two for three, also has a walk, reaching base three times. And that's kind of the central part of your production is those two players. Rosario also had a double. Uh, The other extra base hit belonged to Jimenez. And in terms of who reached base twice, Jose Ramirez did it, as did Josh Naylor. And that's it. And after the bottom of the lineup being super productive, the previous day, uh, in the middle of, kind of having some struggles it's the heart of the lineup that was successful in this one and the kind of the bottom where the struggles were there was not the production hedges went 0 for 4 bowers went 0 for 4 did manage to get an rbi across uh, again not something that i'm a huge fan of like rbis chang 0 for 1 loop low comes in goes 0 for 1 strikes out rosario does get two walks i should give him credit for reaching base twice that's my fault so he's, uh, you know, he's inching up there, playing some center field. And across this one, like I said, we had the pen, we had the starter, Jose Arenia, who I profiled in depth last week. It was the same issues we talked about. He walks lefties at a very high rate. And that's, uh, you know, I realized how though the guys he was walking in this one weren't necessarily always the left-handed hitters, but he's just not a great starter. There's no two ways around that. And the Indians got to him, and they were successful in this one. And I mean, your stars are pretty clearly Allen Reyes and Rosario. How about Franmo Reyes to start the year? Uh, Three thirty-three batting average, one point one seven five OPS. He's he's playing well. Uh, it's gonna, I'm going to be interested to see how they continue to to work with the lineup. If there is going to be a point in time where they try to get you know, uh, more at bats for him, even by slightly pushing him up in the lineup. You know, if there's a world where you can get Cesar Hernandez to agree to hit two or a world where you'd ever consider Jose Ramirez batting lead off, just get him as many at bats as possible with Eddie Rosario and then Fran at your four or five. I don't know. It, and things like that, I think a lot of that starts to depend on if Roberto Perez keeps hitting like the 2019 first half version, as opposed to what we saw after his injury, and then last season when he was also hurt, that's going to put more pressure to to get him more at-bats and move him up a lineup. So it's going to be something to watch for sure. But it's a nice situation to have. Yes, it'd be ideal if Jimenez just was up there and took the position and there were no concerns at all. Not to say there are concerns, but he also hasn't run away with it. At some point, you do have to look and see who are your most productive hitters. How are you going to figure things out? When you're facing uh, a left-handed bat, loop low makes a ton of sense there. Leave him there. I think that's fine. When, Though, of course, that's also a situation where Roberto Perez hits lefties better. You kind of want him higher. Again, it is a team set up to kill left-handed pitching. That's where they are. That's going to be their advantage this year. We're going to take our final commercial break here, and then we're going to start talking about this White Sox series. I think we've talked the Tiger series to death. The Tigers are still just—they're not ready for prime time. They're not quite there yet. Not all of their prospects are up. Uh, Julio Tehran just went on the sixty-day disabled list. We talked—I profiled him—and then he didn't pitch in the series because of that. It's kind of crazy that they're not spending yet. That for—I mean, it's not necessarily crazy. It's very interesting after all the years of spending, new ownership. It's. It's not new ownership, but it is father passing to son. And much like we saw with uh, the Steinbrenner, sometimes when that happens, the uh, the kids aren't as driven. They're more worried about the bottom line and the money they're going to make as opposed to winning. And Tigers aren't willing to spend yet. And their drafts have been really good in the first round, but they haven't had a lot to show. Now, Tarek Skubel, who we faced, was one of their guys who was not a first-round pick. But when you're looking at them on the whole... For a team that's had a lot of high picks, they haven't had a lot to show for that second round as of yet. We'll see if that's just a change. But Tigers, not looking, not looking like this is the year that they are supposed to be making that step. We will wait and see. Again, super early, they could end up making me look very foolish with that statement. Only time can tell. Over at Built Bar, our fantastic sponsor, and what I'm going to have likely for breakfast and lunch tomorrow, they have a deal where you get... Built Bar goes free with your order, and you can still use our promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off. It's a perfect time to go order from Built Bar. Not only are you going to get that 15% discount by using the On 15 but you're also going to get three free packs of Built Bar Go with purchase. Listen, I love Built Bar. All the other uh, podcasters I talk to on network love Built Bar. Everyone loves this, and it's not just because they send us free samples that helps, but it's also because those samples are Delicious. They sent us free samples and I didn't like them. Well, well, that wouldn't be any good. But since they're delicious, it just makes it all the more reason to love them. Go to BuiltBar.com, try a mixed box, see which flavor you like. There's so many great flavors. There's so many ways to go right and basically no way to go wrong. And remember that when you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to try this fantastic product with a 15% discount. That's the same thing they give to their returning customers. BuiltBar.com, promo code lockedon On. So let's just go ahead and talk about the matchups for this one, right? Monday's game, Carlos Rondon versus Tristan McKenzie. Talked about that a little bit in the ad break. Tuesday is the money game. Lucas Giolito over Shane Bieber. Probably the two favorites for the Cy Young, uh, if I was placing a bet based on the start of the year. Game three, Dallas Keuchel, Zach Plesac. Game four, Lance Lynn, Aaron Savali. If you're an Indians fan, the sadness is that we miss Dylan Cease in this, and <laughs> that's not necessarily... I don't say that to like knock Cease as much as it is. There's a clear top three of their staff. Or top yeah, top three of their staff. You'd much rather get the Ceases and Rondones than you would uh, the three arms at the top, who have been pretty good this year. Lance Lynn was very strong in his first outing. But let's talk about Carlos Rondone. This is the weakest of the pitchers the Indians will face. He was designated for no, they chose to not give him arbitration basically they they didn't want to uh they knew he was just going to get expensive based on the years he had put in and the starts he had had and then when they didn't add another starter they came back around to him and brought him back uh, Rondone's his biggest issue has been health he has been unable to stay healthy for his career and he was one of the him and uh, treya turner were nc state teammates and Rondone was the guy on that team and was viewed by many as a 1-1 candidate ends up going three and chicago's very good at pitcher development but it just never seemed to come together for him looking at his data doing the deep dive when you're looking at i want to make sure i did indeed click on career i'm 90 sure i did yes i had so not as huge of a gap as we've seen with some of the other arms we've talked about fip is about 0.75 difference So you do want to line up on righties. That should be no surprise. Uh, Home run rate is a little bit higher. Walk rate is a little bit higher. Strikeout rate is a little bit lower. But none of them are exactly, again, huge gaps. He's a pitcher who's been effective against both. And even though he has that explosive stuff, he's been more of like a 3-4 against lefties and more of a 4-5 against righties. So with the Indians' lineup... With McKenzie, I I kind of favored the Indians in this one. Now, we have not seen Tristan McKenzie do a start yet. We'll have to see uh, how everything, you know, if he can keep the velocity up, if he can keep it going, or if it's just going to be, I'll be curious to see. I feel like he might only go three, four innings in this one with a good chance that uh, Quantrell comes in to pitch another three, four. Because remember, McKenzie is going to be limited to max, probably about 120 innings this year. So they're not going to go out there and push him. He's always going to be part of some piggybacking, either piggybacking another starter or having someone who's ready to come in for him. I I only expect he's almost going to be like an opener, in my opinion, in this one. I still, against a weaker lefty, I'm going to favor the Indians in most situations this year. Maybe I'm crazy in that one. Maybe it's not something uh, I'll, I'll change my mind as the year goes on. But especially when you look at the situation with the White Sox right now. Uh, Andrew Vaughn has struggled in his call up They have Tim Anderson with a, a strained hamstring Adam Engel, who's like their fourth outfielder with a strained hamstring and Billy Hamilton, who was their fifth am- or outfielder with a strained hamstring Of course, Eli Jimenez, big deal was made that he ruptured his tendon And then on the pitching side of things I mean, Jace Fry has been an effective lefty for them He had back surgery, but that pen is still one of the best pens in baseball and that's going to be the trick in this one. Is you want to get to the starters, and especially against someone like Rondone, you want those early runs. You want to be able to get to them quickly because once the White Sox get to their pen, that pen is death. Uh, it's what kind of the Indians are trying to put together, or something similar to uh, the White Sox pen. And right now, like I said, in this one, you're hoping to get to the starters early. That's where I, I don't know if I'm ever going to go against Shane Bieber, but when you consider the lineups and you consider the level of pitching, it's like Tuesday's game, I'm probably leaning towards the White Sox. Wednesday's game, I probably lead the Indians way because Keichel has not one bad start so far this year. But again, another lefty, uh, one who is getting up there in age. And if we just click on the whole career splits thing here, through the course of his career, he has almost over a run difference in FIP for his uh, career against lefties versus righties. Strikeout rate is 2k per nine lower. The walk rate is over one higher. Home run rate is about the same, but basically you load up on righties, he strikes out righties at 6.69 for his career. So that's not a good rate. So he's not striking out guys at a very high rate. Now saying all of this, his career FIP is a 298 versus lefties, which is excellent and a four versus uh, righties. So it's it's that's very effective. That's like your three, four range much more effective than, you know, Carlos Rondon uh, when you're looking at, at data like this. So, I mean, has been very good for his career. And, you know, it's a reason why he's a high-paid starter who, you know, has made the money he has made. So the only knocker concern is that, again, this is a guy who is 33 years of age. And as you've seen with someone like Corey Kluber, it's, that's an age where some arms start to slip a little. So it, could this be a bit of a down year? And if it is, that's when the White Sox kind of start to get in trouble because for as much as this White Sox team is viewed as like the future is now, you know, uh, Lynn is a free agent at the end of the year. Keuchel is 33. They do, Cease is, they're still waiting for him to step up and be that ace. They went back to Rondon who they let go and no one else signed because they didn't have another option. Michael Kopech uh, and Garrett Crochet, maybe you try to stretch them out. From, I just visibly stretched out with my hands, uh, even though both of them are in the pen. There's, you know, both of those crochet I've had my concerns with. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, you listen to me talk about the draft last year. Uh, they were many and a multitude. Kopak, I think there's a better chance of that, but they, I tend of need to start doing with both of those guys now. Uh, they don't have a ton of pitching in system, and that's really where it's going to get interesting. For as good as they are offensively, can they? are they going to go out and sign starters? Are they going to trade for starters? Could they put together something? I don't know, because at the same time, you look at their top prospects. Von, Kopeck, Magical, Crochet are all intro, uh, important components of this team. And then their next guy is Jared Kelly, who a lot of people weren't super high on. And then you have Zach Birdie, who's a reliever. Their, their prospect pool really falls off a cliff there. And that's going to be the question. It's like, can this White Sox team add pieces and complement the core that's in? Or this could be a team where they could be up there for a two, three-year peak and then see some regression. It's going to be interesting to watch. Diving into this one, as I already have, you know, I, I think I lean game one Indians, but very slight. Game two, I would lean White Sox. Again, very slight Game three, I'm going to the Indians with more conviction than I did in either of those two games. And then that fourth one, Lance Lynn versus Aaron Zavalli. Now, Lance Lynn, or Savali has been great in the early going. Uh, and Lynn, you know, I can look at the splits for his career. It's The thing with him is his career has just been so up and down on the whole where he's been very good for a year or two, then down for a year or two. Lefties have victimized him. Uh, his He's got almost a two-run differential, 1.7 difference in his FIP you know, fielding independent ERA during his, uh, his career against left-handers. The K rate versus lefties is 2.5 lower. The walk rate is double. The home run rate is just a little bit higher, but yeah, he's a guy you want to get as many lefties in the lineup against as possible. Because he is one of those guys where the gap between righties versus lefties is huge. You know, his 285 FIP is great against right handers. A 453, that's less than ideal. Uh, with a low strikeout rate, a high walk rate, uh, this is one of those situations where you do want to take advantage of the platoon split. It, we talked about with Rondon where it's more of a small one, you're not gaining quite as much. That's one of those guys where. You know, it might be worth it to throw it a, a left-handed bat that you feel uh, comfortable with. Who has some degree of uh, ability? As you don't want to, there are certain lefties who do not hit lefties at all, and you don't want to put that guy out there. But if there's someone who's a little bit more capable, you feel a lot more comfortable. This is the game, though, where you want to load up and get every left you can in your lineup uh, against Lynn. Now, I would. I'm not the biggest Lance Lynn guy. I guess I should just be honest about that. Uh, I know he was great for Texas, and I know he's had some you know strong years in his career. But last year was 1.3 wins. That's great in a shortened season. You project that out, he's almost four wins. If he gets you know uh, he got 13 starts. If he gets closer to like 39, I mean you're getting a guy who's closer to three wins, and that's strong. But that's not quite the same guy who in 2019 was worth 6.7 wins. And just the truth of the matter is his two best years combined give you a 6.9. So he had a 6.7 and then his two best years, which were age 26 and 27, give you a 6.9. He is in his age 34 year. Just curious to see. Uh, And he'll be, yeah, because he'll be 34 uh, in May. So... I do have some concerns. And like I said, this is a a player who, with St. Louis, you go through the data 2.6, 3.3, 3.6, 3.0. Last year is a 1.2. He struggles. Goes into free agency, ends up with a 2.8. But that's the year he was, uh, I believe it was like the Twins signed him. He was disappointing and they ended up trading him. Goes to Texas, has that huge year. Solid in the 2020 season. And I mean, he's been off to a great start in the early going, he's been phenomenal. So maybe I shouldn't doubt him, but I'm going to be a doubter there. So that leads me to lean the Indians direction. Now, you might say, oh, you're picking them to win three out of four. (sighs) There's not a whole huge amount of confidence I have in this one. While I might lean one way or another, these are really kind of toss-up matchups. I could see it going, you know, I I could see any team winning any of these games. Like, it's very conceivable... It's a very close matchup in terms of the pitching. I do think, I know it might be strange that like, I'm not, I'm picking Keuchel is the one where they I think they'd have a better luck than against Rondon. But that's also because of who's on the mound. And uh, in, in part of that, like if Plesak was pitching Monday, I would very much be strongly in the Indians' favor. I just worry about how much you can get out of McKenzie. So yeah, it's, It's going to be a fun series. Uh, Tuesday is the can't miss game. You definitely want to check that out. For all the concern, they have now won five in a row and no, four in a row. What am I saying? I should know that. I predicted they would win four in a row. And now they're in first. So let's not get too worried about any game. One game is so early in the season. Let's also not just assume that Fran Mill Reyes is going to win the MVP based on early season performance, just like we won't assume that Tyler Naquin is going to win the National League MVP based on the early season performance. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. I know I need to be doing more draft coverage. It has been a slow-going year for that. I am watching it. I am observing it. I am just not having the time to write right now, and that is the unfortunate truth of the matter. I want to remind everyone to rate and review. I do owe some thank yous to people again who have put iTunes reviews in the past few months. I will go through and start doing those very soon, I promise. You can find me, again, on Twitter, at JeffMLBDraft. Remember to download daily, rate, and review. Those all help our little show grow. And as always, well, for a little bit at least, go Tribe!